Hey there! The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app, and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from current affairs and movies to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Well, thank you, both Rick and Lori, for joining me to discuss curiosity. For everybody listening out there, that's Rick Clemens and Lori Guest, which you can look both of them up on our website, everydaymindfulnessshow.com, and learn all about them because they are true, truly unique individuals. But we want to get right into this. What I'd love to know is curiosity is sort of defined as a process of wanting to learn, continuous learning, discovery. How do you keep yourself on that edge of continually wanting to learn and discover? Specifically, do you have a routine or something that you do to start every day or early in your day that activates that, that triggers that? Lori, we'll start with you. Well, mine is not a daily adventure. Mine is more of a way of thinking throughout the year. So I am a huge fan of lifeless and also a theme of the year, which I talk about in some of my speeches. It's a not a New Year's resolution because a resolution is something you actually don't want to do and you tell yourself you're going to and then you force yourself. And that's not what this is. To me, the way I keep curiosity alive is pick a theme and then try to live that theme during the year. And it just pushes me to look for new opportunities, meet new people. I love meeting people because they just uh, bring something different to the table. So mine is not a daily activity. It is more of an overall uh, mindset throughout the year. So do you have a way that you are looking back at that theme, that you're reminding yourself that theme, that you stay in the rut of that theme, a positive rut versus accidentally falling out of it due to distractions in life that come along? No, once I pick a theme, I am extremely committed to it during the year. I don't even need a reminder. You know, I'm just looking for opportunities to take action on it. So every year I pick a new friend. I actually choose, stalk, and recruit a new friend every single year. And so then that brings that right into the theme. They, they fit into whatever I'm working on that year. And I've met the most interesting people. I've been doing it for, I think, the last 20 years. It's just fascinating. People is where I think the curiosity is. I love that. We're going to come back to that because I know that you do that, that you do pick that person. So we're going to dig a little deeper so people can learn more about that. Rick, what about you? How, is it a daily thing that you do, an action that you do? Rick, for those listening, also helps coach others. And both Lori and Rick coach, lead others just in different avenues, in different dimensions. Do you find that there's something you want to give your clients, Rick, to help that? Do you find yourself it's a daily thing? What does it for you to bring that curiosity into everyday life? For me, it is a daily thing. One of the mantras that I live by is what's one bold thing I can do every day? And so that's where I peak my curiosity is. Okay, what's the bold thing I'm going to try to do today? And then with my clients, my opening question to them 
pretty much every week unless I know that there's something they've sent me that they want to specifically work on. But I try to work this question in every time is what is the thing you most want to accomplish today, which is a curiosity question. It's that me being curious. And we actually talk a lot about the curiosity in my coaching sessions specifically because I think if we don't have curiosity, we lose our sense of wonder. And to me, those two things are the answers to finding the answers we're looking for. If we don't have curiosity and wonder in our lives, then we don't really have any motivation to go seek out the answers. Where do you put that in your day? You said for you it is a daily activity. So do you do a morning affirmation reading or do you do you do a meditation and then you put that into the meditation? Where do you place that so it becomes routine? So I start out my morning by asking myself, what am I grateful for today? And I spend one minute writing down three things that I'm grateful for, which is a curiosity exploration because you have to get curious about, okay, what am I you know grateful for this morning? And then as soon as I get done with that, I literally sit down on my meditation pillow and listen to a meditation and curiosity and wonder is always part of that meditation in some way, shape or form. That's awesome. All right. And Lori, going back to yours, specifically the person, you look for the person that's going to bring you to a place of curiosity and discovery through them. So how do you do that appropriately, right? Because people can hear that and think, what did she just say? She like stalks somebody, she hunts them down. And, and I'm sure there's some people that are thinking, all right, Mike, this is a mindfulness show. Is she using people, which I know you're not, which is why I want to address that for anybody thinking that right now. Is she using these people for her self-gain? So can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. And what's interesting about it is when I started it about 20 years ago, a little bit on a fluke, I had a neighbor that I just flat out approached her and said, I know this sounds really weird, but I want to be friends. And I was just really, I love what Rick said about being bold. What's a bold move you can make? I love that. And so I made this bold move and uh, she jokingly, I think it was 1995 as a matter of fact, and she jokingly said, yeah, sure, I'll be your friend in 1995. And it became a joke. And, and from there on out, I called her 95 and still do today. Um, that, that's what my nickname is for her. And what's interesting about this, Mike, is when it started out, it was how can I just add interesting people to my life? I had left a corporate job where I was surrounded by people, and now all of a sudden I was in this bubble as a solo entrepreneur, and I needed people in, in my life. So that's how it started, but in the last oh, I would say seven to eight years, I've shifted a little bit and pushed myself to boldly get to know people I might not have approached before. So people who think different than me, who are completely different than me. Uh, Mike, you and I have a mutual friend uh, in the speaking industry that it's about opposite of me as you can possibly get. And I recruited her as a friend as my way of serving my personal curiosity. What can I learn? And she has expanded my world in, in the way I think. Um, more dramatically than any other friend I've ever made. And I'm sure I would not have done that if I hadn't actively gone out and done this friend of a year. Does it sound like I'm trying to get to know people for my personal gain? I think if we interviewed any one of these friends I've recruited over the years, I think they would tell you that it's as brought as much joy and curiosity to their life as they have to mine. And if that's not how they feel, then something was wrong. I love that. And I think that's the key to this is that it's the authenticity of you wanting to really bring a person into your life, not gain something out of another human being. There's a huge difference in those elements. 
Absolutely. That's just going to come around and get you. Any Anytime I think that we do things that's about a personal gain, I think is the universe is going to set that right. And so for me, with the idea of curiosity, it just defined me perfectly because you know, I think that there is a multitude of ways that I'm always looking for. I guess my bumper sticker is in what ways can we? I used to have a boss that when we'd sit down with a problem, he'd put it out on the manager table. And my reaction always was, okay, these are the facts. Now, in what ways can we and then fill in the blank. And when you even think about those words, it's so much better than no, we can't. Those are the rules. It can't be done. I can't stand that way of thinking because there really is a solution to anything if we're bold, like Rick said, and go at this with a curious mind. Well, and that allows us to counter the person who doesn't want to be curious, right? The person who says, no, it can't be done. That just ends all curiosity right there. Rick, what do you run into when you're coaching people on that element? What's the fear that stops people from being more curious? Or is it just contentment that stops people from being curious? What do you see in your coaching? Well, three things. Number one, what you just said, they become content, they become settled in, there's not a lot of motivation. So that kind of, you know, is number one. Number two is they've swallowed hook, line, and sinker, what I call the other syndrome. They're doing everything for other people. So as long as they are pleasing others, there's no reason to really be curious because as long as I'm doing this and I'm getting the acceptance and the adulation that I think I want, and sometimes it is what we want, but a lot of times it's we're doing things because we don't want to rock the boat. So that's the second thing. And the third thing is what all of us suffer from, myself included, is that little you word, uncertainty. You know, So if we're curious, we don't know what's going to be on the other side. And oftentimes it's like, well, that curiosity often leads to the unknown. And we all want as humans to know. We want to know. If we know, we do anything we want to do. But uncertainty is what holds us back. So I find most of my clients, it's those three things. And Mike, I think you're one of the most curious people I've ever met. You love to dig into any kind of conversation and, and walk around the table in different directions. I love that about you. What do you think makes you curious? Oh, good question. Way to flip the table on me there, Lori. I love it, though, because uh, you got me curious now on how that works for me. You know, I think what happened was I got caught up for years in the rat race of needing to do of needing to implement, of needing to accomplish, and then had a major wake-up call a little over three years ago on how is that presenting me to the world? How, what is that doing to my world? And to just slow down and to be fully present. And what's happened over the three and a half years of that discovery is that I am very conscious of trying to be uh, aware of my curiosity. And so it is in my mantras. Every morning, I read a, a page, not a page, I read five pages on a Kindle of af personal affirmations that I've written. And in there, curiosity is one of the things that I talk about that I'm seeking, that I do not strive for success or failure, that I live for curiosity, mindfulness, awareness, fascination, discovery. So I'm reading that to myself every time I read that. As a matter, that's where I sit because the world wants us to focus on success and failure. And so to read that as, yeah, success and failure is not where it's at. It's the journey of discovery. It's the journey of that mindfulness, of that curiosity. And reading that every day becomes so, so important. And another part of the affirmation is one that I got in a program called Landmark, where we said, hey, it is what it is. It isn't what it isn't. It is perfect. Nothing at it, nothing subtracted. That makes curiosity safe right? It's, it is what it is. So if something's going crazy in the curiosity process, 
it is what it is. I'll give you a personal life example right now. We're, we're shopping for a new home. That has got roller coasters attached to it because you think you have the home and then something happens. You don't have the home. And this is a, it's a total venture into curiosity, right? Will I explore the possibilities? Most people say, just don't move. You don't have to move and we don't have to move, but we want to. This is a new chapter. It's, it makes it curious and exciting. But that also means you have to be able to sit back and go, it is what it is. It isn't what it isn't. It's perfect. Nothing added, nothing subtracted. It makes the curiosity journey safe and exciting at the same time. I also want to say, Mike, you just brought up something really powerful about success. And my my purview and my perspective on that is you cannot get to success without being curious. That's right. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. That is what gets it there. Here's what we always tell people. Look, let's say that you're an athlete and, and you win the Super Bowl. It's not the trophy. Holding the trophy that you usually remember at the end of the game. It's the moment of the game that changed everything. It's that discovery process, right? So for those listening, this is soon after Super Bowl 51. Does anybody believe that for most of those players, holding the trophy was the moment? Or are they going to remember the rush of when they scored the touchdown in overtime for the New England Patriots to come back from 28-3? They're going to remember the moments of the comeback and then when they won it. They're going to remember holding a teammate and crying or the family member and crying because those were that was the journey. That's where the exploration was. And that's what made that curious. If we just heard they won and knew nothing about how they won, it's not so exciting. But the the journey made it curious. Like, like there, there was wow in that. That was exciting. And it was that's what's exciting. So I agree with you. It's the key to the success is focusing on that. And don't you guys also think that when we're curious, we're more open-minded? So like, mm-hmm. Mike, when you started the idea for this podcast, one thing that was really intriguing to me is that you were pulling out single sentences of things because you're such a voracious reader. And so you had pulled out single sentences from different books that you've read and you just posted that. And, and whatever sentence you use for this particular podcast, I read it and I thought, I don't know what that book is, but I think I'd like to read it just based on this one sentence. And I think mm-hmm. what happens with this curiosity is we go, ooh, I want to know more because I'm open to it. And people that I've met that don't have wonderment and they don't have curiosity, I find it to be very closed-minded. They're kind of in this bubble of, well, this is how it is, period. And I just think that's so limiting in life to, to have that hard period on the end of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree. And that book, so what that was, was that was the book Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. And in there, the quote is, living on the edge wasn't about danger, he realized. It was about curiosity, audacious curiosity. Rick, what do you think when you hear that? Well, to me, audacious curiosity, I'm going to go back to my word bold. It's about taking bold moves. You're, you know, you're, you're doing the stuff that scares the crap out of you. It's, it's that curiosity to go further. Don't take things at face value. To my personal story, if I had continued to take myself at face value, I would have continued to keep hurting people in my life. Instead, I I took that big, bold curiosity step and said, okay, if I know innately I am a gay man and I'm living a lie, I can't just take this at face value. I had to get curious and go, what would life look like if I stepped out of that realm and said, okay, I know I've been an SOB and I've hurt some people. 
but I have to go be curious about what life looks like on the other side. Not because I wanted to be with a guy, not because of all of that, but what I realized was if I release myself from this, if I get curious enough to release myself from that, what else happens? And here we are 16 years later and I'm living my life doing the things I love to do, being a coach, being a speaker, having my own podcast, writing books, changing people's lives, helping them see it's simple to take big, bold moves. But if I hadn't had that curiosity spark to finally go, I wonder if it's going to be worth it to finally let go of my shame and show my truth and be transparent. I don't know that I would be here today. I truly don't believe that I would. And, and so one pushback I have, Rick, is you use the word simple. Now, I don't know your story. I'm meeting you for the first time. It couldn't have been simple. No. It had that bold move had to be really hard with all kinds of decisions you had to make. So I'm going to push back and say, what's a different word than simple? Because I don't think that's what you meant. Well, what I mean is it was a big, bold move that I had to make. But the simplicity was in it was giving myself the simple permission to be curious. No, that's I- good. That's good. There is a difference between the word simple and simplicity. Mm-hmm. Same same root family. But when yep. you say simplicity, it tells me that, okay, it was step one, step two, step three. Right. It wasn't a hundred steps. It right. was it was the simplicity of three, but yep. had to have been uh, a very courageous thing to do. That is interesting. Yeah. And and it's a simple logic. Right? It wasn't it, when you look at that, Rick, there was simple logic. Right? It, it was a matter of having the courage. To, take, to use the logic, right? The simple logic said, this is who I am. Uh, if I, I just need to say the words out loud to whoever that be, whether that be family, friends, public, whoever that, that choice was, is to say the words out loud. Simple logic, right? That's simple logic. Uh, but simple logic is different than courageous action. A friend of mine, Jason Kotecki, mutual friend of a few of ours, he says, you know, it takes only two to three seconds of courage. That's it, two to three seconds of courage. I love that you use simple because I believe it was simple. It's the two or three seconds of courage that went along with the simplicity with it being simple that, that I would imagine is what changes everything. Like for instance, the first person you thought it was going to be important to tell that, that to, to follow that curiosity and to say those words to however those that revealed for you, what was the feeling at that moment of the words being said? Well, it was scary, of course, but yet I realized it was my boldest power move and the simple the simple thing I had to do was give myself permission to say the word. And I know that doesn't sound simple, but it actually is. You have to take that breath. So I'm going to put it kind of in another frame. Each, the three of us are all speakers. That first time that any of us literally walked on a stage, the simple thing we had to do was take the first step to literally put one foot in front of the other to walk out on that stage. That doesn't diminish all the hard work we put in to creating that speech, to rehearsing that speech, to getting through our jitters. But the simple thing we had to do that first time we walked out onto a stage was put one foot in front of the other. And the same thing happened for me in that moment that I had to tell that beautiful woman that I was married to was give myself permission to say the words. And for anybody listening, if you didn't just figure out the story, Rick revealed it there subtly. And that is, Rick, you were married in a heterosexual relationship. And so this was, some people go, oh, this is somebody coming out. Well, there was a whole nother complex element for you. And you, and you, you would say, and you do share, you know, you're one of many that, that had these, this, this 
struggle. You know, but do I, do I not, do I live this life? But it is unique to what most people hear. And so that adds an element of a whole nother level of courage that's needed. Lori, what is for you when you hear courageous, what does that mean for you? How does that shown up in your life? Where have been moments where you can reflect and go, thanks to that audacious curiosity, here's where I am today. Yeah, for me, I think it means permission not needed from others. So audacious to me means I'm going to, you know, let go of this branch and grab onto this one, regardless of what the outer rings think. So I really feel it's important that our innermost ring, that might be your partner, or maybe in some cases, your parents, your children, whoever, whoever you consider your innermost ring, we need them on board with us because that's who takes us to the finish line. But those outer rings that a lot of us pay attention to, friends, work colleagues, um, even peers that you don't even care about, but you seem to care about how they judge you. I feel like once we let that go, and it kind of goes back to what Rick was saying too, is that he made his decision, what he knew was in his soul and the best for him. And and yes, it had a ripple effect maybe on his inner circle, but he, he got onto that other branch. And so in, in my world, as it relates to speaking, I had this great job and I was already speaking. And so the stepping on stage wasn't an issue for me, but the deciding to let go and be bold and say, I'm going to let this really good job go that has these great benefits, great salary, great security, and I'm going to become a speaker and I'm going to do this full time. Again, that was about 20 years ago. And I'll never forget, I went to go tell my folks and my mom said in the most caring voice possible, well, honey, what would you possibly have to say that people would want to pay to hear? And you go, wow, I better not let go of this branch. If the person who probably loves me the most in the world is thinking that there isn't value to what I do, I better stay where I am. That was my initial reaction. And I thought, you know what? I am going to be bold and I'm going to go see. I'm going to, and that's where the curiosity piece. Why don't I just try this? I had a year's worth of salary in the bank. I had six months worth of bookings on the books. I thought I could go a good year and a half before this is in crisis zone. And guess what? I can go back and get my old job back or something really similar to it if this truly doesn't work. And I remember thinking, I've got to let all this noise in these outer circles go. And I need to make sure that my husband's on board and that we have our financial obligations met. And then I just need to go kick butt on this. And four or five years after that, I finally went to my mom and, and just quietly showed her the tax return. <laughs> and I just wanted to prove, I don't talk about money a lot, but I wanted to prove to her that my boldness allowed me to jump from one branch to the other and ultimately make more than I did in the old job. And I think that's my most defining, bold curiosity move of my life is to go back to somebody who meant that much to me and say, look, I know you were trying to guide me, but you were mistaken. And <laughs> Lori, I love what you just, I love this metaphor that you just brought up because I think this is the thing that stops so many people from being curious is this whole branch metaphor. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is, you were grabbing for your own branch. Your mm -hmm. mother was holding on to her branch that she wanted to impose on you. And this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, what somebody brings forward is the branch they're hanging on to that for some reason, whatever it is, and sometimes it's very beautiful. It's their own fears, their own uncertainty, especially when it's a parent. But when they bring forth those kind of statements, they're saying, wait, you need to keep holding on to this branch because this makes me feel secure for you. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with you. As a parent, when I know I'm trying to make my kid hold on to my branch, that's when I'm not being the best parent. I got to say, hey, that's a really cool branch you're reaching for. I want you to go for it, and I'm going to be here holding space for you to go do that.
That's brilliant, Rick. How many of us can think of the times that our family and friends, for whatever reason, we allowed them to crush our curiosity or to negatively impact the joy of the journey of curiosity? We've all been there. And I think, Rick, what you said there is so important is they're doing it almost always out of love. Almost always, right? They're, they're saying, are you sure? Can you make money doing that? Because they're afraid you're going to go broke and they don't want to see their child hurt. I don't care whether their child is 20 years old, 15 or 55. They don't want to see their child hurt. And so they're doing this from a place of love and security, right? And and so that's why they're holding, that's why I think you both using the metaphor of a branch is so important because the tree is secure, right? That's where we're safe is on the tree. And our parents want to be secure and our loved ones want to be secure and our good friends want to be secure. And I think anybody who's an entrepreneur has had somebody try to yank them so they couldn't let go of the tree and yank them on, get on this tree. I, I, this, I remember people saying to me, you can't make a living talking about sexual assault. <laughs> you... You, I remember thinking that when I met you, I'm like, you speak on what? Can you actually make it do with that? <laughs> right. And I I still hear that to this day. And they don't realize I don't make money talking about sexual assault, that, that the journey that I'm on is to help to reduce sexual assault from happening, from stopping, from, from being a culture that's safer and smarter and healthier on these situations. But people hear their own fears of how could, well, I can't see that. So if I can't see that, it's not possible because they're limited by what they can see. And we only know our own worlds. And so curiosity makes us expand past our world and go, what if? So I think what's interesting for everybody listening is a couple questions for everybody listening. Who have you let stop your curiosity or, or, or diminish it? Who, is the, who has done that in your life? And can you own that you can choose to not let that happen going forward? Because that was your choice on how you interpreted their comments and how, what you're going to do with it. So one, are we aware of that so that we can be more curious going forward? Two is, are we being fair to the others in our life about their belief systems, their foundation, in their, how they view their curiosity? Are we killing it because we can't see the way they see? And so we argue with them because we can't believe they think the way they think. When what we need to do is to be curious. The political environment is the definition of needing to be curious about others. Because instead, people are being judgmental about others. And how can you think that way? I can't imagine how you think that way. And they're thinking about each other. Loved ones who have always gotten along have thought about each other, who, who never had these arguments or suddenly having these arguments because they're stopping the curiosity. What does it take to have that understanding or belief? I find that a curious question when I meet someone who thinks so differently on the spectrum. Well, and here's something that I wanted to add that I think is important too, is that I think when we're curious... We have to be open to trying things that don't work. I, I see it almost like tire kicking. And so I love the invention of new ideas. And so I might come up with three or four new things for me for the year. I'm talking about work now, work ideas that, that make sense to me. And one of the three to four ideas actually takes hold and works. And I am not afraid to be curious and then go, oh, I tried that. That didn't work. That doesn't scare me off at all. But here's what I noticed is that my husband doesn't like that journey. He doesn't like it when I sit down and say, okay, I got this new idea and here's how it's going to work and here's how it's going to make money. And I'm all jazzed about the curiosity side of it. And then when it doesn't work out or if it doesn't work out, I think it bothers him. It'll be like, okay, here she goes with another one of her ideas. And so in the last three or four year, years, I've realized I can help our relationship by stop dragging him on this curiosity journey. 
And instead, I go and find other colleagues who love to do that processing with me. And then when it's a success, I can go back and say, look, here's the idea I had last year. Here's what happened. Here's how it works. Well, then he loves to get on the train then when it works, but he doesn't like the journey of the failures. And I feel like that I'm, I'm complimenting myself in realizing that don't drag him along if it doesn't feel good. It only hurts a relationship. Does that make sense, guys? Oh, my gosh. Does it make sense? Because I'm guilty of this one. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody that runs your office. It could be your partner. What happens is we bring such passion to our curiosity that it sounds like what we are saying is a definite. So I'm being curious, but they hear this is the journey you're about to take versus I'm exploring this journey. <laughs> and they're going, no, I hear you as saying you're going to take this journey. And then I don't take the journey because I was only being curious. And now I, they were all set for me to do that. You didn't do it. I got excited about that possibility. And it becomes very frustrating for those who are not on the same curiosity track. It doesn't mean they're not curious, but they're not on our track. And then we get frustrated with them going, well, you keep having expectations. You're right. I think, Lori, what you just said is so brilliant. Who are we surrounding ourselves with to explore the curiosity who enjoys that process, who thrives in that process so that we're not frustrating people who care about us very deeply, who are not in that mindset. It can feel painful for them to watch us do this because it feel, they feel like they're being impacted over and over again over that. Who are the people you turn to? Are they one? Are they two? Are they three? I know it, for me, it's a, it's a handful that I really, really turn to, really, really turn to but that are safe, right? That they're going to be there and listen. It's so pivotal who those people are. Rick, how do you help people find those people? What, what are some questions you would ask somebody to try to say, who's the right person for this journey? Well, there are a couple of things, but I'm, I'm sitting here. I turned off the microphone because I was laughing so hard because I'm going, okay, I think all our spouses are in the same boat. <laughs> it's like, okay, my, I, I heard as you were talking, I was like, Okay, my husband's right there too. He's like, okay, got that idea. Move on, buddy. So, um, you know, back to your question, Mike, one of the things that kind of popped up for me too that I, I have clients often ask is whose curiosity voice is speaking right now? Because oftentimes when they get curious and they start shutting down, it's not their curiosity, it's somebody else's. And they're letting somebody else shut it down. So I use that as a filter for helping them find people who can be their team, who can be their inner circle, who has that same curiosity voice as you, which is one good way, but another good way, and who has one that's so extremely different that's gonna cause you to look at things in a different way. And I always recommend that they only try to keep their inner circle, if they're especially entrepreneurs, okay? We can all as entrepreneurs go find every guru out there and go, okay, that one's gonna make me money, that one's gonna get you to, Find the ones who are truly going to, when you say, hey, can you pick up the phone with me today? I need to talk this through. They can say yes in a very loving way, or they can say no in a really loving way. But they also have the same kind of curiosity, or they have that slightly askew curiosity that's always going to bring you back. And this is the key point, I think, to your center. When you're at your center and you let that center thrive, your curiosity is going to guide you exactly where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Love it. I love the, the centeredness. Now we're back to that mindful place, right? Where, where we all want to be. That, that's so beautiful. For the two of you, is there a book or a movie or some level of the arts experience that 
really brought curiosity into your life or that you, when you hear curiosity, you think of, oh, I love that book or oh, that movie made me curious. Is there something out there that somebody could go read or watch that you think helps inspire curiosity? Mm, for me, this is a really interesting twist. I remember back in my high school, college days, I can't remember specifically when it came out, when the movie All That Jazz came out. And that movie, every time I've watched it, it just lights something up inside me. And I was a freshman, I believe, in college about the time that movie came out. And I had never danced in my life. <laughs> in fact, I wasn't. I was I was in a very, very strict faith-based school. I had always been in a faith-based school. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, so dancing was absolutely not something we did. I remember that lighting me up and I found a way to start dancing. And the only reason I started dancing was because I was curious if I could dance. And that's kind of been the thriving mantra for my life. I'm curious if I can dance, no matter Ooh. what the dance is. Wow. Did you know he was going to ask that question? Because that's a pretty good answer on the spot. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. You. No, I didn't. But it just, you know, I think the universe delivers you the things. I had not even thought of that story in years. And I speak all the time. You know, as speakers, we're always trying to come up with the story. So I'm like, yes, Mike just got me my next story for on stage. So, um, so this was worth my time today. Thank you very much. There you much. go. My uh, movie that comes to mind that made me so curious because I'd never seen a movie done this way before was Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. And what I loved about it was uh, how it made me think. So the very brief thing of this is in the very beginning of the movie, she has long hair and she's getting ready to jump onto a subway to go wherever she's going. And at the last moment, she jumps and she makes it into the subway and it starts to glide away. And then you it becomes a split movie. And Gwyneth who doesn't make the subway, she didn't get there in time, that one goes and gets her haircut to waste time for the next train. And from that point on in the movie, every time you see her with long hair, it's what happened to her, the one who made the train. And every time you see her with the short hair, it's what happened to her when she didn't make the train. And it is just so, in, I've only seen it once, I need to go and watch it again, but I was so intrigued and I love the whole idea of, Every move we make, every stop sign that you turn right instead of left, you know, every decision, every branch you let go to in the next one, it keeps changing your destiny. And we're never going to know because we don't have a movie that's split telling us where the decision was the wrong one. We're never going to know that. And with that, to me, comes confidence. I cannot keep going back in time and say, gosh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have made that. The wish I would have. My dad, who's 85, says that is a complete waste of energy. His mantra is always keep looking forward. So he doesn't talk about stuff that he wishes would have been different in 85 years. It's all about what's he going to do today. It's all forward looking. And I find that absolutely fascinating. I would love to have a sliding doors movie of my own life, you know? Mm-hmm. Powerful. And that's ironic because the movie that, that I'm thinking of is a current movie that is up for several Oscars and has already won a lot of awards that, Lori, I know you're not a huge fan of. For me, it drove curiosity, and that was La La Land. I love the arts, and I love being a dreamer. And so for me, I found the story of La La Land to be these two dreamers trying to find their path. I found myself leaning in. Like in a movie theater, I don't normally lean in. I'm normally enjoying, I love movies, but I was leaning in because I, I wanted, I was so intrigued by 
how they were going to get to their journey, what path would they take along the way. And people at the end of the movie, which I won't give away, some people walked out. I remember thinking that was so depressing. And I thought that was so inspiring because of their paths and how they found their paths. And, and it just, to me, it was just very unique. And I don't want to ruin that for anybody listening. But for me, that movie is about curiosity. It had a little bit of sliding doors theme to it as well. It, uh, it has a major aspect of that. Yeah, and we don't want to give away at a certain point in the movie. It, that's what it's all about at the there. And what I love about that is it, it doesn't matter, right? They're both where they're supposed to be. That's what I love about the element. It's that curiosity and where is it going to take us? We never know, but we'll end up where we should be. Interestingly enough, with that whole deal, the La La Land thing is that, and this fits into our topic today, my expectations were too high. And so you had posted that you loved it and several other people that I respect said they loved it. So I went to the theater thinking, ooh, I'm going to love this. And, and, my, and my review is, I mean, the acting, the dancing, the talent of Ryan Gosling was amazing. He deserves whatever awards he gets. So I give thumbs up to that. But here's the deal. I was expecting one of my top 10 faves for it to, to be, land in that category. And when it didn't, I was disappointed. And therefore, I gave it a very neutral review. And isn't that true of things that we go into? When our expectations are really high, There, it takes a lot to meet that expectation. Where I went to Hidden Figures and had zero expectation other than, huh, I wonder what this is about, and came out going, wow, that was a great movie. So I think that that factors into what we're talking today about is, is expectations factor in. Well, I think, it, yeah, and, and I think that's a good way to wrap it up, which is part of being curious is stopping our own judgments from impeding the experience. If we knew the path, what would happen to curiosity? It well would kill it, right? Is that what you're saying? The yeah, idea yeah, that if I knew be, what I was if heading, already knew what was going to happen. Curio their curiosity would be dead, right? That's true. That's exactly correct. And so, on that, for everyone listening, I want to thank both of you, Rick and Lori, because that that is such a powerful way to end this. That without curiosity, let's just say you you go, I got my path ahead of me. I got it. I know what's going to happen. One, you're lying to yourself. There's no way we we know what's going to happen from an hour from now in our lives, something could drastically happen. So you're misleading yourself. But two, you're taking away the joy. That means to you, every moment's pre-programmed. I think that's great. And I think people listening should think about what is their joy of the curiosity? Well, how can they define it for themselves so that it's not a scary thing, but it's a, ooh, bring it on. And that's where I sit in curiosity is it jazzes me. It gets me excited. I, I want the next thing to think about. And if I didn't have that, I don't think I'd enjoy life to the extent that I feel I do. I want to thank both of you, Lori, for that, for what you just said right there about that bring it on attitude, Rick, for teaching us what boldness means and how that connects to curiosity. And for both of you just being who you are in this world, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. It's a great show. Love what you're doing. Thank you. And for everybody listening out there, we'll be back with you next week, a new cast of characters and a great conversation. Thanks for joining us. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, 
want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.